Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Kitty Sewell. I've been in the radio business for nearly 20 years, mostly working for public radio in the United States. In 2013, I quit my stable job and moved to Rome for just one year. That's where this podcast begins. And if you're new, don't be afraid to start at the beginning. A lot of interesting topics have come up over the years, and I'd hate for you to miss out on the adventure. My co-host is Tiffany Parks. She's a writer, and she's an expat who moved to Rome over a decade ago with a determination to stay whatever it took. She's also my childhood friend. I met her on the school bus in sixth grade. I hope you like the show, and if you do, tell a friend and take the time to write us a review. You could also participate in our share and win some prizes. Find details on how to play along at our About page at thebittersweetlife.net. We're glad you're here. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today we're going back in time, <laughs> at least for us, to the day that we went first went away from home for the very first time, away to college, basically based on an email that we got. So why don't we read the email first and then we'll see where it goes. This is an email we got from Azariah. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And she writes, how do you deal with homesickness? How do you cope with being so far away from your family? I'm 18 years old and I've been listening to the podcast throughout high school, always daydreaming about living somewhere far away. So I decided to take a gap year. I've been in Israel for a little over two months now and I struggle almost every day with homesickness. It's not something I anticipated at all because I just had this naive idea in my head about how living abroad would be all adventures and exciting things all the time. But dealing with the homesickness has become a big part of my life. And so far, the only thing that really seems to work has been keeping as busy as possible all the time. Calling home helps, but that also can make me more sad a lot of the time. Sorry for the long email. I hope you'll have some wisdom to share. Thanks, Azariah. So first of all, thank you so much for writing in and kudos to you for moving abroad at 18 because that's a big, big step that not a lot of people would be able to handle. No, definitely not. Or would even consider, quite frankly. Yeah, I think that's true. Our friend Suzanne that we talk about on the show all the time, she took a gap year Mm -hmm. and she traveled, but she didn't like move. Well, she did move abroad, but she didn't move, move abroad for a year. She went and lived with relatives, but she did a lot of travel within that. So was she gone a whole year? She was everywhere. I don't even remember. She was gone more than a year, if I remember. So she boldly did this, but this was not something that I would have been able to do so yeah like tiffany said good on you i mean it's a hard enough thing for a lot of people to even leave for college so to leave home for the first time and move all the way across the world is is a major step so i'm not surprised that you're feeling lonely or homesick all 18 year olds who leave home are to a certain degree wouldn't you think i would assume so although going back in time to my own experience leaving home not abroad but leaving home for the first time to go to college I actually wasn't homesick, hardly at all. So do tell. What, were you 18? Well, first of all, I was 18. I was just 18. But I will tell you, first of all, that I was a homebody. I still am kind of a homebody, despite being uh, someone who loves travel. I'm also a homebody, and I like, like to be at home, too. 
But as a kid, I went to sleepaway camp once and I had to go home early because I couldn't handle it. I was a real mama's girl and I like to be at home with my mom. And my mom was actually quite worried about me, you know, not worried to the point that she was staying up, keeping her up at night, but I really wanted to go far away for college. I didn't want to stay close to home. Do you remember why? Um, I think it was just honestly the kind of wanderlust you talked about in a recent episode. I wanted to see new places. I wanted to fly the nest and fly far. I didn't want to be stuck in that same sort of, I just wanted to see something new, see something different. So, okay, if we're establishing baselines here, I would say I was exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of trouble even staying overnight at my best friend's house when I was a kid. Uh, you know, I think I did it a few times before probably both mothers realized for the better that it would, <laughs> was not a great idea for me to come. I was not above waking up the mother of where I was sleeping to tell her that I couldn't sleep and having her read books to me and stay up with me. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> it's sweet, but it's, I mean, now as an adult, it feels a little bit like torture uh, to me. I mean, why do you have let your kids have friends over to sleep over? You would think it would be because it's exciting for them and it also gives you kind of a free night in a way because they're having a great time playing and talking together and mm-hmm. you can read a book or do whatever you want <laughs> while they're entertaining each other. Well, what age? are we talking about here i mean elementary school so what second third fourth grade somewhere in there that's still quite young i can't remember how old i was when i had my first sleepover but i do remember having sleepovers when i was little and also not being able to sleep but i didn't have the courage to do what you do i would just suffer alone in the silence (laughs) while like my friends slept there like a little angel and i was like how was she able to sleep so easily and I can't fall asleep? I mean, I think I must have just gotten too lonely or too, you know, I used to sort of get panicked when I couldn't sleep at night. My mom, I'm sure very vividly remembers the one time when I didn't wake up the mother that I can recall and instead snuck over to the phone at like (laughs) two or three in the morning and called her. Mom, I can't sleep. Will you please come get me? And of course, so she came and of course, she probably had me go wake the mother up so she didn't ring the doorbell in the middle of the night. Right. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's just it's so embarrassing (laughs) why people would extend another invitation to me is beyond me. I have no idea, but I never did well. I always wanted to be home, too. I was definitely a homebody and I did go to sleep away camp once. And there, I didn't go until I was an eighth grader. And I did much better at that. That was actually kind of fun. But I never wanted to do it again. I just wanted to do it that one time to say I had gone to camp. Right. I think I was in fifth grade when I went. I'm pretty sure it was the summer between fifth and sixth grade. And I think that that was just too early for me. Mm -hmm. I can still remember the bunk bed that I slept on, like which side of the wall it was on. I'm not going to consider that a true trauma. But when you have memories of things that have been difficult that you've been through, you do have these visual memories of them. It's crazy how that works. I couldn't remember the name of the camp, but I remember what the bed looked like. Just out of curiosity's sake, did you ever invite me to sleep over and I said no? (sighs) You know, I have no idea. I can't remember. I can't remember. Sorry. Yeah. Well, good. At least it wasn't some sort of scarring thing. (laughs) I mean, I could totally see you doing that and me saying no and (laughs) that awkward, why the heck doesn't Katie want to stay over kind of thing. But I mean, even in high school, I kind of occasionally I would spend the night at other people's houses, but it was occasional. You know, it still wasn't my thing. Yeah. So So we have that in common. Yeah. 
Now I'll sleep anywhere. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you know, just put a pillow on the ground. I'm there. Well, it's kind of true. I mean, if you think about like when you came to Rome this past time. Yeah. How long were you in Rome? One month about? Yeah, one month. Literally, you slept like six or seven different places. And I'm not because she was sleeping around. Let me just put that out there. <laughs> you were in a rented apartment. You slept, you stayed at my place. Yeah. You stayed at the beehive. Now I'm a penny pincher. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who will give me lodging for cheap? Help me. Yeah. But I still am not a great sleeper. I still have trouble sleeping through the night. Oh, so. God. I hope that now I'm thinking of my son. I'm like, geez, does it really last into your 40s? Well, you know, if it lasts into his 40s, it's not your problem anymore. Yeah, but it is until 18. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, it's less so when he's in high school. He can just go out and be out like all those other Italian kids that just sit in a square and talk too loud. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But back to college. Back to college. When we leave, yes, when we leave for college, age 18. I don't know if I expect what I expected, but all I know is I met my boyfriend, my boyfriend at the time, obviously, literally before classes even started. It was during orientation. I met Jonathan, my first boyfriend. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And I fell for him hugely. It wasn't just like, oh, that guy's cute. Hmm, oh, that guy's cute too. Oh, well, I wonder which, you know, it was not that. First of all, I had never had a boyfriend. I had never had any kind of anything with any boy except like a stage kiss with Corey Weathers. <laughs> Call Sorry, out Corey. Corey Weathers. Shout out. Um, <laughs> but beside that, I was sick. I literally got sick when I met him. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep for like a week until like he declared his love for me and we got together. I mean, no, I'm exaggerating. It wasn't love at that point, but you know, let's just say he felt the same. And but I feel like having this relationship with this guy who I ended up staying with for three years. It helped me to feel like I belonged there. And I had this person that I could go to that would, whatever, the kind of emotional support that relationships offer. I had that from the beginning. And then I had a couple of girlfriends as well. And then like, you know, a wide circle of second tier friends just living in the dormitory. I was having so much of a social life that I didn't have time to be homesick. So I don't think it was me. I don't think it was because I had matured or anything like that. I think it was just that the situation was very welcoming. Does that make sense? Yeah, you got lucky. Yeah, I did. I really yeah. did. No, I really did. Do you want to tell us, what, by the way, why Jonathan was so incredible when you met him that time? Beyond your romanticism? Well, it is all about my romanticism. He could speak Italian. He's not Italian, but he could speak Italian because he was like a semi-genius musician. He could hear a piece of music and just play it without ever having to look at the music. And I'm talking about like Tchaikovsky, like anything. So there was that. And I think that the same thing worked with languages like he literally went to Italy for a month over the summer after his senior year and he learned to speak Italian <laughs> so so yeah he was just like that so he was tall he was handsome he was charming <laughs> and he spoke Italian and he liked me all four boxes. what more do you want <laughs> and he was a great musician you know and I'm here I'm in music school obviously musicians are going to be attractive to me so yeah so yeah. five boxes yeah and he was very, he was like very into the things that I was into like he loved opera he loved musical theater we just kind of were made for each other at that particular time in our lives yeah yeah 
I mean, that makes it feel all the more lucky in a way. It was. No, I, I was incredibly lucky. I don't think I've ever asked you about your college search. Did you know where you wanted to go? Well, no. I wanted to go to a conservatory. I didn't want to go to a big university that had a really quality music program. And why? I don't know why. Because I was. I wanted to say, oh, I'm going to a conservatory. I don't know. I was a little bit maybe snobbish about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I applied to Juilliard, I applied to San Francisco Conservatory of Music, New England Conservatory of Music, and a few other true conservatories. And I didn't get into Juilliard. New England Conservatory, where I went, was it was considered the best after Juilliard in the country. And so I went there. And plus, I liked the idea of being on the, on the East Coast. And my mom and I went to visit it before I decided to go there. And I fell in love with Boston the moment I stepped off the plane. This city is amazing. I just loved it. Loved it more than New York. I thought all through high school, I was like, someday I'm gonna, when I go to college, I'm gonna live in New York. I just was convinced that I was gonna live in New York and didn't work out as far as colleges. But then when I got to Boston, I was like, no, 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 no. I like this so much better. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'm so the opposite of your experience. I know. I know. And we've talked about it a little bit, but I, like our our listener who wrote in, I really wanted to take a gap year. And that was not because I felt like I was going to move across the world to a foreign country. It was because I didn't feel like I was actually ready to leave for college. Hmm. Why? I don't know. I was never invested in the search of it. I really liked my friends in my, the programs I was involved in. Had a, a boring job, but I liked it. I was heartbroken at the time. I think that had a lot to do with it. I, I had broken up with my boyfriend almost a year earlier. I was still not over it. I just felt like I was completely broken, not mentally capable of going to college and having it be the right decision at that point. And Suzanne was taking this gap year and you know, had this great adventure planned. I was thinking maybe that's what I need is a break. Like a, I, maybe I won't go anywhere. I'll just work and hang out with who's around and you know my mom and was not having that <laughs> you know I think she felt like if I didn't go <laughs> that I, the momentum would mean I wouldn't go I would never go I don't know I'd have to ask her you know isn't it funny how so many people think that and I think that it's such a shame because I think some people really need a little bit of time it's just no shame in taking a year or two, especially if you're working. I mean, think about how much you, if you were to work for a couple of years after high school, you could live on that money while you're in college. But it's true. There's this idea, oh, if you don't, if you take a year off, you'll never go. You'll never go. But it's not true. I mean, it's not always true. Yeah. Who knows? There may have been some insight there of get her the heck out of here for a while. Mm -hmm. I don't know, in the sense of getting over that boyfriend or... I don't know. It's interesting in hindsight to think about, but I went into it sort of broken. And so I applied, as far as I know, to only two schools. I definitely wanted to not be in Seattle. I knew that. But one was only an hour and a half away. Which is where you went. Which is where I ended up going. And the other one was Knox College in Illinois. Now, why Knox College in Illinois? I don't know. It <laughs> They... <laughs> They had a good drama program. And at the time, I thought I was going to be a theater major. Mm -hmm. But I had the opposite experience of you. I flew there to check the college out. And it was very impressive. It was extremely small. And two things happen when I'm there that are the opposite of what happened when you met Jonathan and fell for him, <laughs> which, was, which was I had this great roommate who was in the theater department. 
And she said offhandedly one day, you are going to love it here so much. We are always so excited when new people show up. And for me, I was like, I am a mess. I do not want to go to a college where it's that small that every single person here would be like, new people are here. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded terrifying to me at that time. And secondly, during my orientation, I picked up a guy that was there who was bugging me to no end, following me around, driving me nuts. I remember him saying, oh, man, I just can't wait till we get to school. You and I are going to be such good friends. Oh, my God. I am going to be tormented by this person for the next four years. No way can I go to this college. I am out. So you were really that close to going to that school. Yeah, I mean, I had two options. They're here. Who knows? And I don't necessarily think I picked the best option. I did not like my college that I went to very much. I think that if I had been more invested, I would have chosen something that was different. Mm-hmm. My main criteria was, has a drama program, doesn't have a Greek system. Okay. I mean, I'm sure you could have found other schools that fit those two criteria. <laughs> yeah, you would think. Yeah, except I didn't want to go. So I don't know. It's like basically two sides of the spectrum in some ways. Yeah, but did you have any like traumas while you were there in the first yearish time? Or um, was it just like an undercurrent of apathy and dissatisfaction i mean her homesickness that she writes about in that email is very vivid to me i remember feeling like i was never going to feel comfortable there especially during that first year i had a number of things happen that made it worse i lived on a floor with eight women i was one of the eight five were kind of what I would consider horrible people. So we had a group of three versus five all the time, which was not a great situation. In that freshman year, the three of us had to figure out ways to move eventually. My roommate moved out within the first quarter, I think, and then the other one moved in with me, and then her and I just spent the rest of the year trying to get off that floor, and we eventually did, so that was good. Let's see, what else? Oh, I did meet a guy that I thought was, not romantically, but I thought he was going to be a really good friend of mine. I met him probably within the first month, and him and I were having a great time together. And then for whatever reason, he decided that he was going to try to be drunk every single day for a month and see if he could pull it off. Oh, my God. What As a goal. (laughs) As a goal. Oh, my gosh. Why? Why? Needless to say, him and I were not friends by the end of that month. Wait, was his name Brett Kavanaugh? (laughs) It was probably his son. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I thought he was an idiot by the end of that month so yeah things like that it was just a lot of general upset stuff and then me not being mentally healthy is like a whole nother matter because you layer that on it just makes it harder to make friends and uh, meet good people yeah because people are attracted to people that are in their wavelength you know so yeah there was that So, and this is going to be insulting to any of the people who uh, listen to this show (laughs) that were friends of mine in college. Any of them. All of them. Uh, There are people that I met in college that I still really, really like. And if you know who you are, then you are not who I'm talking about. Okay. But I had a bigger group of friends that I hung out with. And I can remember being a probably junior year of college. And I was sitting at a party with them like I was every Friday or Saturday night or whatever. And they were doing their thing. And... I was sitting in this chair, this wingback chair, and I remember it so vividly because I'm sitting in this wingback chair looking out over the room at them doing whatever it is that they did. And 
I just thought to myself, I hate these people. (laughs) (laughs) Why are these my friends? From that point on, I just sort of stopped hanging out regularly with the majority of the people that I had been friends with throughout college. And so as I leave college, I think I walked out of it with probably, I don't know, three, four friends of mine that lasted or that I met after that time. Like my real true friends were in high school and the college people, some of them are good friends still, but most of them, I don't know where they are. I don't know what happened to them. I'm actually not close friends with very many people from my college. Really, almost none. Almost none. The one friend I have who I'm still like in regular contact with and still quite close with, she went to my college, but we didn't go there at the same time. (laughs) Her first year was the year after I graduated and we were introduced by someone else at the same school who we were both friends with. We consider ourselves college friends, but we aren't really because we weren't there at the same time. So even though I did have this really positive experience, it doesn't mean that I made the friends of a lifetime. Yeah. I was reading her email. I was remembering that feeling of one, wow, I'm so way out of my comfort zone here, which I think sometimes enhances the homesickness because that is also the place where you are in your comfort zone. So you're not only missing your family and your friends, but you're missing that calm that comes with knowing who you are in relation to those people. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also just when you're 18 and you go away for the very first time, I don't think that I knew who I was, what I was actually searching for, what, what would make me comfortable at that point. And so for me, the idea that you would move all the way across the world not only seems extremely bold, but it does stand to reckon that you might find that when you get there, you weren't ready for it. And I think that that's okay, too. I mean, I certainly wasn't ready for it. That doesn't mean I got out of it. Like, I still went through it and and learned stuff from it. But it, I think that that's that discovery, too. Now that I know myself so much better, could I see from this vantage point what a good school for me would have been? Sure. But then I couldn't tell at all. You know, it was my first time out in the world. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard. It's hard. Um, and it also like reminds me of something we've talked about before. I mean, at least I have. If my stubbornness to not quit anything, even if it's bad for me. Like you clearly have a little bit of that yourself. Because most people would have been like, I don't like it here. I'm leaving. I'm going to find a different school. Oh, I tried. You tried. I tried. But you know what? I actually went and talked to a school in Seattle. I was thinking, well, maybe if I went back and was around the few friends that did hang around didn't go away somewhere that I would somehow become more stable but I was so not enjoying the college experience by that time which was probably sophomore year that the school it accepted me but I was gonna have to fulfill a language requirement which was not required at the school I I was in (laughs) yeah and and so I didn't transfer there because I didn't want to set myself back in time I wanted to get out as fast as I could Oh, geez. Yeah, so I decided to stick it out. And of course, the final two years were better because you're taking better classes and Mm -hmm. meeting more mature people. But I don't know that the homesickness ever went completely away while I was there. You know, her letter kind of reminded me actually of a different time in my life. Well, there's actually two times in my life when I've felt really homesick. And one of them was I went to what I call now jokingly yoga camp which was actually a um, professional yoga teacher training program in the Bahamas. I was on the beach. It was pretty amazing. You know, I slept in a tent on the beach. We did yoga four hours a day. We did meditation for a couple of hours a day. 
it was pretty awesome. Like we all ate together. We all ate homemade food. You know, we went swimming in the Caribbean Sea in our free time. And the people there were awesome. Like for the most part, the people there were great. I mean, they're yoga people. I mean, like how bad can they be? At the most, they're like a little bit show-offy about how limber they are. But like, really, that's not so bad, right? And not only that, but a mutual friend of ours was there and I didn't even know she was going to be there. I think my first or second day there, it must have been the first day because otherwise I would have met her already. And I was walking through this little jungly area where we had our tents and I saw this girl walking towards me and we both went, we ah! put our hands on our heart. It was Whitney. Yeah. Old yeah. friend of ours from the theater days theater. Yeah. who I hadn't seen in years. Even though she was there, even though there were so many great people there, even though I was doing so much fun stuff, I was ridiculously homesick there. I was suffering. We were not allowed to have cell phones. And I don't even think I owned a cell phone yet. I'm pretty sure I didn't. And of course, the internet was practically archaic back in those days. So they had like one computer that you could use. So there was an email address that our friends and family could write to us on, but it wasn't us. They would get the email and they would print it and they would stick it on the board. I swear to you, I lived for any kind of an email from anyone. I think I got to use a computer like one time and I wrote an email and I was like, wrote it to like all my contacts. And I was like, (laughs) please email me for God's sake. I'm so lonely. And so occasionally I would get emails and I would just like lick the words off the page. I mean, it was only a month long, and but I honestly felt like a little kid at sleepaway camp, and I don't understand why at college, I was never homesick for a second, but this, and I was in my early 20s, or mid-20s actually, I suffered so much. It's just bizarre how it can take you differently in different moments of your life. Yeah, and for coping-wise, I mean, it's really just a matter of patience from what I can tell. Patience, figure out what you want and need and work slowly toward those things and try to make friends. I think that's a big part of it is making friends. When I moved to Rome, I really suffered. That was the second time in my life and the last time, I guess, that I've been really, really, truly homesick and it lasted for a long time. And I can date the end of my homesickness to like the time I started making a bunch of friends. I think you, you crave familiarity when you're in such an unfamiliar place. And when you don't even have a friend, it's incredibly hard. When I, <laughs> I think I've told this story before, but it's been a while. When I first moved to Rome, I had one of those old, heavy, clunky laptop computers. And I had three DVDs that I brought. And they were Bridget Jones's Diary, <laughs> The Age of Innocence, and the entire BBC Pride and Prejudice miniseries. Those were the only things I owned. And I would watch them over and over and over and over again, but particularly Pride and Prejudice. I would just put it on. Like, I didn't have to watch. Obviously, it's like six hours long. Every night, I would get into bed, especially the first few weeks when I was living with my awful Italian relatives. You have to go back if you want to hear that story. I would get in bed and like as soon as dinner was over, I would go into my room, get under the covers and put on my earphones and listen to Pride and Prejudice. And just the music can like take me back to that time. And it was incredibly hard. I remember sitting on a bench in a Piazza Interestevere on the phone with my mom crying and her being like, come home and me being like, no, I'm not going to come home. I'm going to stick it out. And I finally made friends after nine months. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Azaria, I don't want to 
make it seem like it's going to take you nine months to make friends. I'm sure it won't. But I was 27 at this time and you're only 18. So be patient, be patient and don't feel like, don't be embarrassed or ashamed of how you're feeling because it happens to the best of us. And it happens to all of us, like our entire lives. Yeah, I think at different moments. Yeah, I think it really does depend on the moment and probably what you're going through outside of that whole, you know, where you are as well, probably influences it. I want to say one more thing that Derek once told me that I'm sure I've shared. But for those of you who are listening, who are thinking about making some sort of a change or a move or a career change or just a shift to take a trip that you wouldn't normally take with strangers, maybe. (laughs) I want to say something that Derek said to me once that just makes so much sense, but that I don't think I would have ever thought of. Particularly as a person who did not launch into the world very smoothly or (laughs) even successfully when I first started out. And that was him him telling me once, just because you didn't do it well the first time doesn't mean you're not going to do it well now. Which I thought was such good advice because even if this year abroad doesn't go great, or for those of you listening who went abroad 30 years ago and that didn't go great, that doesn't mean that all of this accumulated wisdom that you've gotten isn't going to change it going forward. And even just thinking that has been so helpful to me because I think we tend to think of what we did in those situations you know like how we did in that situation because that's what our mind does is try to figure out the patterns to see oh well I as a kid I couldn't leave home neither one of us could leave home as kids and I did not do well in college and you did but but just because that was the case then doesn't mean that 40 something me can't do it I don't think I would have thought to put it that way but it's been extremely helpful. That's good to remember. When I was in my 20s, I failed as a freelance writer. That doesn't mean I have to fail as one now. You accumulate wisdom over time. And, and I think that's important to remember. And I mean, there's that famous saying, I can't remember who said it, but like, if you're never failing, it means you're not doing anything. You're not challenging yourself. Right. It's very easy to stay home and never venture beyond your doorstep and feel smug because you've never failed at anything. It's much harder to be like, okay, I'm going to try to do this and maybe I'll fail and maybe, you know, maybe I won't. But even if I fail, that doesn't mean that I can't do it again. And that doesn't mean that it, I didn't learn anything. Yeah. And maybe it'll teach you that you would really rather just be home. I mean, and that's okay too. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, that's the thing. It's so interesting. But do keep in touch. And we did think that if any of you guys, any of you listening had any advice that you wanted to pass along to our 18-year-old friend who's well out of her comfort zone and on the other side of the world, please do send your tips in and we can share them on a future episode. Yes, please. Visit our website, thebittersweetlife.net, and we have a contact button there. So that's probably the easiest way to contact us. You can also email us at bittersweetlife at mail.com, or you can get in touch with us on any of the major social media sites Just search for the Bittersweet Life podcast and you'll find us. All right. And until next time, this is the Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. If you love the show, consider a donation to it. Please help us pay the bills. Visit thebittersweetlife.net on your desktop, click the donate button, and send us a little bit of change to help us.
Claudio, don't make so much noise, please. <laughs> he just like crushed a plastic bottle. <laughs> so. <laughs> Podcasting, it's glamorous. <laughs> <laughs>